He's got connections. From actors and athletes to comedians and world-class musicians. Andy Hall. His contact list is jam-packed with some of the most recognizable names in entertainment. Andy Hall's giving Laser Hellraisers his plus one. An exclusive conversation you won't hear anywhere else. On today's edition of Hall Access. A conversation over a decade in the making. I couldn't be more excited for this opportunity to catch up with our old friend, former Saliva frontman Josie Scott. How are you, my man? I'm good, sir. Nice to finally speak to you, Andy. Yeah, you as well. You as well. How are things in your world? Very good. Just finished up... uh some promotional stuff for uh, the few dates I'm fixing to go do and uh, just finished up at the gym and picked my little girls up from school. Are you living in Oklahoma? Did I read somewhere? It's Oklahoma. Yeah, I live right outside of Tulsa. Gotcha. Gotcha. What's the weather like down there today? Gorgeous and 64 degrees. Sounds about like Des Moines right about now. I just love this time of year, man. I do too. Fall is my favorite season. When I can wear shorts and a hoodie, I'm a happy man. Same. We used to call it leather weather in high school. <laughs> leather weather. I like it. (laughs) I was just having a conversation like that the other day with a friend of mine. We were trying to remember what the name of the store was that was like in every mall, and it was where everybody would gear up on their leather, and we came to the conclusion it was Wilson's, if you remember that name. I do remember Wilson's. I I bought my uh, Bon Jovi-style fringe leather jacket that my mother threatened me and told me to treat like my little brother, and if I lost it, she would murder me in my sleep. (laughs) Was it a white leather jacket by chance? No, it was black. Always black with me. (laughs) I was going to say, with Bon Jovi, I had a thought maybe it might be white, but uh, (laughs) that's funny. Josie, this conversation is one I've been looking forward to having for over a decade, my man. Oh, you're so kind. Thank you. I've been looking forward to talking to you, too. Well, thank you for the opportunity and the catch-up here. Like many, I follow you on social media, and the very first thing that I noticed was you've got yourself in great shape, a remarkable transformation. Congratulations, man. Man, thank you so much. It's It's been a long, hard road, but I love it. You know, I have to do things. I know me, and I have to do things the hard way or I don't respect them. Well, I know in the big picture we're all a work in progress, but the amount of dedication and discipline it takes to do what you've done is really impressive and and part of a larger conversation, I'm sure, about the journey you've been on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, everything I've that was worth working for in my life has been a, a long, hard road. You know, uh, getting my first record deal was a long, hard road, and you know, becoming this guy that is a professional singer-songwriter was a long, hard road. So the fitness thing, right before Taylor Hawkins died, I was a huge, and still am, a huge Foo Fighters fan, and a huge Taylor Hawkins fan. And one of the things he said in an interview right before he died was he said, rock and roll is an athletic sport, and if you're not an athlete, then you need to rethink you know, what you're really doing in rock and roll these days. And that just changed my life. That changed my whole whole perspective, you know. I felt like I had looked at this so wrong because I'm rebellious by nature. So when when I was in Saliva, you know, and, and the record company wanted me to have a trainer and they wanted me to go to the gym, I was like, you know, F this, I'm not doing that. You know, I don't want to do that. That sucks and it hurts, and I hate going to the gym and all that. But as, as I've gotten older and, and, you know, become a father and a husband and sort of grown up a little bit, I've 
learned that, you know, you have to take care of this carcass that you're borrowing for the the human experience here. So I just started going for it full force. I started making uh, the gym my new church. I know that struggle. I, I struggled with my weight my entire life, Josie, and I've, you know, fluctuated more than anybody I know. So I understand uh, not only that dedication and discipline it takes as far as working out goes, but also in terms of the diet that you choose, too. Yeah, well, as they say, I was telling uh, my friend Zach Myers from Shinedown the other day, I was we were talking about how abs are made in the kitchen, not in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all into quotes. And, and that was another big quote that, that really changed the way I thought about food and the way I thought about nutrition. And, you know, the way I thought about how I affect the people around me, how I am a major influence on my children and a major influence uh, on my loved ones. And I just started making, you know, healthier choices. You don't have to, you know, I thought for years that you had to eat like a rabbit to be, you know, thin or or. or healthier in shape and that's just not true we eat a lot of really good tasting foods we just include a lot of green vegetables and uh we grill out a lot we uh you know eat a lot of fish and chicken and steak and you know we have a of course a high protein uh diet and you know i drink a couple of protein shakes in between that and i just keep my ass in that gym and I feel like if I put my two and a half hours in at the gym and I focus and I put my headphones on and crank up the music or crank up the audio book I'm listening to or whatever that week and I really focus on what I'm doing, then I can get in there and knock it out and have the rest of my day. Another thing that I learned from Mark Wahlberg and The Rock is by watching them is you just get in there and you knock it out. And that way... You do that really early, so you it really doesn't affect your day. And now, when I don't go to the gym, I feel like I'm I just feel really down on myself. I just like I'm such a loser. I got to get in the gym. <laughs> well, it makes things so much easier when it comes to performing, too. I imagine. I mean, take me back to those days where I'm sure it was a struggle to get up there sometimes and and do an entire show moving around like you used to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you have a, a comeback, one of my favorite comebacks was. Elvis's 68 comeback special. He was in his best shape of his life during that era, you know, during the, the late 60s. It was just, the you know, the healthiest, best Elvis that we would ever see. So when I come back, I want people to see the healthiest, best Josie Scott that they can possibly see. Man, what a great analogy. Because, yeah, you, that lasting impression, seeing Elvis after you'd seen him kind of get out of shape there, and then he came out in that leather outfit, and they were all sitting around in a circle. That's the one you're talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, that was, yeah, that's that's a great analogy right there. Absolutely. Josie, take me back to that time and place where you found yourself late 2011, around the time your departure from Saliva because I figure stepping away as you did meant something more than just not wanting to perform any longer. Yeah, you know, I had just, I think I had ran out of, you know, when 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 you're enjoying something so much and something is so precious to you, and sometimes you just run out of road. And I had made some, you know, some bad choices. I had gotten into, uh, you know, some drugs and alcohol and, uh, you know, I, I, at first it was a 
a party and it was fun and it, it was something that enhanced what was going on around me. And eventually it became something that I had no choice in that, that the party started to do me instead of me doing the party. And it, I was just going down a really unhealthy road and uh, my mental health was suffering greatly. You know, I started to deal with a lot of anxiety and depression. And uh, then I tried to throw more medication on top of that, you know, trying to bring myself out of the, the barrel roll, so to speak, that I was in. Um, and I just couldn't bring myself out of it. And medication, throwing more medicine at it was certainly not the answer. Mm. And, you know, I just, like John Lennon said, I just had to take the time and, and step off the merry-go-round for a bit and uh, be around uh, people that wanted the best for me for a while and, and be around my loved ones. And I'm, I just missed my children. I missed my, my wife and I'm, I missed, you know, being able to raise my children and, and, and be a effective father. You know, it's hard to be an effective father when you're, when you're missing all the birthdays and Christmases and, and Halloweens and, and all these things. And you're not able to, to be with your kids, especially when they're little kids and they're, and they're, you know, in that, young development stage and I was just tired of missing those events you know what I mean my younger children as well as my older children and you know I just wanted to make a healthier choice for my life and I knew that that was going to have to be stepping away from the band I was uh you know physically bankrupt I was spiritually bankrupt I was mentally bankrupt and I had just run out of road I had I had just simply run out of road and I needed to come home and uh, like I said, be around people that loved and cared about me enough to, to help me make some hard decisions and get healthy. And I'm glad, I'm so glad I did it. I uh, alluded to your uh, social media channels earlier. You've also got a website at josiescott.com. Some of these platforms weren't even a thing yet in 2001 when you first hit the scene. What's that like reacclimating yourself in a new environment? <laughs> Well, you know, it can either be your best friend or your worst enemy, just like anything. Sure. Uh, I, I think you have to learn the ways of the Jedi when it comes to <laughs> social media. And uh, I've got some uh, people around me now that uh, are making, you know, good choices uh, as far as uh, social media output and how I'm reaching out, when I'm reaching out. Um, you know, we got some some things coming up where we're going to do uh, a podcast where we talk about music and just staying, you know, staying in the algorithm and keeping your name out there. I think that these are wonderful tools that I would have loved to have had, you know, back in uh, the late nineties or early two thousands, I think it would have been really beneficial. Uh, and it's a whole new game out there. You know, when I did my first delve into the music industry, it was still about, you know, record stores and album sales and, uh, you know, getting a record deal. And then that's when the real work began. And you went out on the road and you you sold your wares, so to speak, out there on the road uh, with your music and your merchandise and things of that nature. And it's just become a, a whole new game. But like I said, I've got some good people around me that are, that are uh, showing me, you know, how to do these things and 
it, it's just another interesting thing to sort of figure out these days. But I think it's a wonderful tool. I think it's uh, a, a great a great thing. Yeah, provided you find your Obi-Wan Kenobi versus your Darth Vader, right? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you got to be careful. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned kind of a new game, and then you talk about rock and pop and hip-hop. There's been so much cross-pollination, and it's a lot more accepted now, which I think is good for music personally. You're seeing guys that, or guys and gals that you never would have thought would have worked together in the past, but you're seeing that now. And I guess maybe you might say that you were a little bit ahead of that game back in the day when you did like that collaboration with Chad from Nickelback, for example. You, those were two entities I don't think anybody would have seen making music together at that time. Yeah, you know, uh, I attribute that to Lior Cohen. He was the head of uh, Island Def Jam at the time that I was uh, got the call to go do that. And I had done some touring uh, with Nickelback and uh, Three Doors Down. We had toured over in Europe and uh, toured the United States together and you know, all musicians talk about getting together and, and doing this or that, but, you know, it's such a busy lifestyle that, you know, that person will be on one end of the United States while you're on another end of the United States, and they'll be in France while you're in Italy, and it's just hard to get together. But Lior Cohen uh, provided that opportunity and uh, wanted to get me and uh, Chad together, and I flew up to Vancouver and uh, was able to collaborate with him on that song. And it was just a really magical experience. And like I said, everything moves at such a fast pace. You work on these songs and then you sort of put it behind you and you go back to your tour or back to your studio or back to your album promotion. And you, you sort of let go of it. But at that moment, all songs are, I call them my little children. Every one of them is special in their own way. And you sort of give them a kiss on the forehead and send them out into the world and hope the best for them like you do with your kids. And, you know, Hero was one of those songs that I went back to my tour with Saliva and went back out onto the road. And the next thing you know, I was on Times Square in uh, New York City and uh, these kids were screaming Spider-Man at me, and I, was, I didn't understand why. I was like, why are they talking about Spider-Man? And then we went over to the, uh, at the time, they had a WWE club on off of Times Square that we were playing at that night, and I remember jumping out to play the show, and I, it was the first time I had heard people scream at us, and we literally were so not used to it that when we jumped out of the van and they screamed, we literally turned around to see who they were screaming at. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That hero song was, was a, a, a magical experience, and I'm thankful and grateful to to have gotten to be a part of it. Former Saliva frontman Josie Scott is my special guest today. You've done some uh, guest appearances with your former bandmates somewhat recently. It seems to me if there were any hard feelings or beefs to be squashed, you're all on pretty good terms now, which is good to see. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, life is too short for beefs and, you know, things of, of that nature. And, you know, we're all older now and uh, more mature, and we all have, you know, wives and children and mortgages <laughs> you know it's uh and, and our uh, another thing is our our minds are not clouded with drugs and alcohol and different things that we decided to partake in back in those days and you know i'm not condemning anybody or judging anybody for 
what they do. You know, I would, like I said, everything in moderation. But for me, it was a choice that I had to make uh, to get healthier, and I had to, I had to step away from from those things for a long time, and and some of them permanently. Uh, and it was just a good fit for me. It was a good, healthy fit for me. And now my mind is clear and I'm able to, uh, you know, write more proficiently. I'm able to, uh, perform more, more aggressively. And that's what it's all about for me is nurturing that gift that I've been given to, you know, share with people as, as long as I'm alive on this planet. That's the most important thing to me is when, my favorite thing is when kids come up to me and uh, or adults come up to me and they say, your music really got me through a hard time in my life or your music really got me through my parents' divorce or your music really got me through a really abusive relationship that I didn't have the courage to walk away from. These type of things are the reason I wake up in the morning, you know, as, as far as my artistic career is concerned. And I just can't get enough of that, you know, and not being clouded by the drugs and alcohol now have cut a more clear cut path to, to getting back to those gifts and being able to share them with people. Because for me, it's all about helping people. You know, somebody said one time to me, we're all just walking each other home. Mm, I like that. Isn't that good? Yeah, that is good. What was it like for you to get back up on that stage and sing those songs for a saliva crowd again? Oh my gosh. Just, total magic time you know what i mean um getting to play the blue ridge uh music festival there in virginia and getting to see all those fans uh stacked up on what they call hell hill <laughs> is just amazing um you know it looked like an endless amount of people to the left and right and then as far back as you could see my cousin uh actually had a beautiful photograph uh enhanced for me of uh he was uh, the bass player Brad was actually behind me and took a beautiful picture from behind uh, where I was singing. And um, my cousin had that picture blown up for me and framed and sent to me. And it was just a, a, a beautiful encapsulation of a, a wonderful moment, you know, a wonderful return to the stage. And uh, it was just like flipping a light on, you know, it was like I went and lived a regular life for a while and, and, uh, worked a, a regular job and loved every second of, of getting back to that normality because I needed that in my life at that time. And then going back to this guy that, that I play on stage is just, been amazing it's just been amazing you're no stranger to big crowds we certainly have seen you at several laser fests in years past and had a really great time with you back in those days and it's really interesting to hear you describe that feeling of getting back up there almost like that old adage of riding a bike again like you get up there and you just know how to do it right absolutely it it has a familiarity of riding a bicycle but it's more akin to flying a fighter jet once Hmm. you get up there and you really get back in the cockpit of where you used to be and like i said earlier with my mind not being so clouded with substances and that coupled with being in the gym so much and uh working out really aggressively for an hour and a half so that when i do get up on stage and i do go crazy for that hour or hour and a half it's not such a hard impact 
on my body and I'm not worn out. That's one thing that was um, really uh, precious and and I was really grateful for that is I got up there and I got three or four songs deep uh, at different times and I wasn't winded. I wasn't wore out. I was like, I still got some gas pedal left. Love that. Love that. You know, what you said a bit ago about fighter jets and then all this, you know, how it's uh, going from, you know, being under the influence to now living a clean life and and sober. It's almost like the experience of Top Gun 1986 and the technologies available at that time versus Top Gun Maverick and all of the bells and whistles they're able to throw at you these days in Hollywood, right? That's exactly how it is. I'm still trying to figure out the bells and whistles, and I think that's a journey uh, that will that will take me a long time. Because anybody that knows me knows I'm not I'm not fond of technology, but I'm learning. <laughs> there you go. You've got some tour dates lined up through the rest of this month and November as well. I've heard you're playing the hits, of which there are many, but also you've been working out some new material. Tell me more about that. Yeah, I'm uh, working on a new album, and I'm uh, just finishing up working on a single uh, called Evil Knievel. Okay. And I'm uh, just really excited about that. Uh, But I'm going to be playing all my hits that I wrote back in the day, and, you know, from Always to Your Disease uh, to Click, Click, Boom uh, to uh, Ladies and Gentlemen, Rest in Pieces, all the good stuff. What's it like to know that at the very least, the work you did in your time with Saliva continues to be appreciated here in 2022, over 20 years after every six seconds and going forward? Well, you know, that was my biggest fear. I think any entertainer uh, has that fear. Uh, even You know, even Elvis Presley uh, had that fear of, are they going to remember who I am? Are they going to remember these songs? Are they, uh, you know, going to recognize you know, who I was, am I, am I going to look the same? Am am I going to perform the same? Is my voice going to be there? Mm. Is my strength going to be there? You know, just all kinds of, of questions as, as human beings that we beat ourselves down with. And once I got up there and got my sea legs, so to speak, and, and all those questions that I had turned out to be lies that I was telling myself, you know, People did remember who I was, and they did remember those songs, and they did sing those lyrics back to me, and my voice was there, and my stamina was there, and it was nice to get up there and and prove to myself that I still got it. <laughs> Listen, Josie, not only do you still got it, you got the best of both worlds, being able to get up there and do what you love to do, and you've got a beautiful family to boot. So Thank you so much. I really appreciate that, brother. I, I thank you for the opportunity to catch up, man. Like I said, it's been a long time in the making, and when I saw you on Facebook, I uh, thought I'd take my shot and try to reach out and get your attention, and lucky uh, for me, it worked. So, <laughs> Man. Anytime you want to talk, just give me a holler, brother. I'm here. I certainly will. And, you know, for that matter, I'll see if I can talk to some folks around here about trying to route you through Des Moines, because I know the Laser Hellraisers would love to see you again. Dude, I would love to play Des Moines. I've always had a great time there, and that would be wonderful. Well, you've still got a family here, man. No question about it. We haven't forgotten. And uh, fingers crossed we can make that happen, if not before the end of the year, maybe in 2023, Josie. Absolutely. I will see you definitely in 2023. All right, my man. Thanks again for the time. I really appreciate it. Don't be a stranger. It is my pleasure, man, and I won't. Thank you so much. All right, Josie. Have a great day. You too.